You are now listening to the Double Say Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Nicosia. Welcome back to the Double Say Sports Podcast. It is Monday, October 5th, 2020, and this is another baseball podcast for you guys. The first round just finished up last week. It was actually the first time that we've had a real wildcard round, and we've got the divisional series to start in this week. So I've got Jack Sullivan and Michael Menachino coming onto the show. Welcome to the show, boys. What's going on, boys? Thank you, Justin. It's a pleasure to be back. It's great to have you guys, and it's great to have you on for the first time, Jack. Happy to be here. Happy to talk some baseball. Yeah, man. What were your guys' first thoughts on the wild card series? I know we all kind of were – we had a little bit of getting used to for the wild card series for sure, right? Well, yeah, it was definitely like a weird format for sure. It had like 16 teams to start off the year in the playoffs. Yeah, and have just games back to back to back yeah. all day. But what about I enjoyed- you, Manikino? You enjoyed it, Jack? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really fun, and I was surprised. We really we only saw two series go three games, just a lot of lot of domination out there. Only the Sox and A's and Padres and Cardinals took it to a third game. So yeah, I expected there of, to be. I I thought it was going to come down to a lot of game threes, but it pretty much everybody that won game one just finished it in game two. So not as not the winner take all game as many winner take all games as I anticipated, but still a fun weekend of baseball. Yeah, it was. I was kind of like going into it. I mean, I I said on the last episode, I wasn't a big fan of it going into it. I'm still not a big fan of it. I don't like a 16-team playoff in baseball. But I was really happy to see baseball all day, uh, every day for the first couple of days this week. It was was great just waking up uh, and then around noon just having four games that I could watch all day or eight games on Wednesday when the AL and the NL played. So it was a lot of fun as a baseball fan. Um, But Manfred did compare it to like the opening weekend of March Madness, which I guess in a sense is kind of true because in terms of the amount of games, that's exactly how March Madness is. But as for it being much deeper than that, I kind of disagree with him. I just think that in March Madness, you kind of need to have a 64 team tournament. You need a big tournament like that because there are 330-something schools in Division One basketball, so you kind of need a decent amount of them to be represented. Plus, you want to involve everyone from every conference, which you kind of already do in baseball when it was a 10-team playoff. You involve people from every division. So I didn't really like the comparison that he made it to March Madness. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I thought it was – my God, Mike. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It's not like March Madness – Baseball shouldn't be like that every year. I think that in 60 games, this was good because baseball is supposed to be played over 162. I don't think he got the best division winner in a 60-game season. So I like it for this year, but I think it demeans making the playoffs overall in a 162-game season. You can't play all those games for some team that won 100 games to play some team that went 80 and 82 in the first round. I don't think that's right. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I kind of like the format, though, even if we did it with a 162-game season. I think it brings a lot more, like, like variety to the playoffs. Like, you can see a lot more upsets and a lot more teams that you, know, you wouldn't normally see in the postseason. But are upsets yeah, really the thing that you – a different side of them. But are upsets really the thing that you want to see um, in the grand scheme of things in a 162-game season? I mean, you have all these teams that fought their way through a 162-game gauntlet – 
and won 90, 95 games. If they're going to win 90, 95 games and then just get knocked out by a team sub 500, it kind of waters down the entire season. Yeah, that's true. But I think, you know, it's a different mentality and a different, it's, you can, I, I'm a bit, I was a baseball player. So coming from that mindset, it really does bring a different side of a team together in the playoffs because you're playing, you know, you're now you're playing for something so close. Yes. You're playing for the World Series, something so close. So, you know, you have that, uh, that underdog or that, that, you know, king of the hill mentality that you bring to the table. Yeah, it's definitely a good point. I mean, teams are kind of like the, their brotherhoods are made in the playoffs. Uh, your bonds are strengthened a lot more in the playoffs. So uh, from that perspective, as a baseball player, like you said, you could you could definitely see where the players definitely like. I mean, more of them get into the playoffs at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Mike? Yeah, just adding to, to that. The upsets were, were fun. Like a team like the Marlins in a regular postseason is never going to make it. And now, you know, because they, they get hot and they get to play a, they get to play the NL Central division winner. They're now in the NLDS, you know, with a chance to really make some noise with a team that no one thought was even in the realm of possibility to make the playoffs. So it is, it has, it has its pros and cons. Overall, it gets, it keeps, it's good. If you keep it, it keeps fan base, every fan base pretty much in the season up until the, almost the last day. And you get to see some teams in the postseason that wouldn't normally make it. This, this format ended some droughts for some teams like the Marlins and Padres who probably wouldn't wait it anyway. But I don't know. I think there's for the real, for the real contenders, there's, there's obvious drawbacks. But for the league as a whole, it might be, might be a good thing for a lot of those teams in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one last question I wanted to kind of bring up to you guys before we got on to get on to recap in the series that have gone down so far. How do you guys think that the whole regional scenarios uh, kind of factored into this season? I mean, it was pretty clear in a postseason when uh, the AL Central teams and the NL Central teams kind of got their asses kicked, really. Uh, how much of an effect did just playing AL Central teams for the NL and AL Central or you know, teams in the East playing teams in the East. How, how did that kind of affect the season in your eyes? I think it was kind of tough, um, especially if you're going to go into the playoffs and play, like you say, you're the Yankees and, you know, this isn't happening obviously, but if you go and you play the, uh, play the White Sox or you go play the Astros or anything like that, you haven't seen them all year. You don't know what they're like. You've never seen them like firsthand. So I think if that scenario would have worked out, it would have been very difficult. But is that all you had to say on that? Yeah, that's it. Very cool. So Menachino, you could. Yeah, I think it. I think it played a, a big factor. You're seeing teams that came from the weaker divisions, kind of like like the Central, who we all. We was a really weak division last year, but this year we had, you know, a three-team race and it looked like these were three of the best teams. And then the Twins come out and they didn't even face a good pitching staff and they can't hit. But I just chalked that up to the Twins not being able to play in October. <laughs> then we have the, be the best pitching staff in baseball, we thought, in Cleveland. And then they go out and they get Shane Bieber can't get out of the fifth and he gives up seven to the Yanks. They bring that kid in in the fifth inning against her Shelley gives up the bomb and Brad hand who hadn't blown a save all season gives one up. But I, you know, that was just kind of 
bleeders all over the infield against the Yankees. So they get they get knocked in two, and then the White Sox, who I thought out of the out of the three were the best team, they put up, they put up a good fight in Oakland, but I don't know they just didn't have a third starting pitcher to run out there. So I I'd, I'd say the Central kind of a lot of there's some good teams at the top. There's three good teams at the top, two abysmal teams at the bottom with the Tigers and Royals, and they kind of took advantage of that. But out of the other divisions, I think you saw – we would have seen the the Dodgers and Padres in the postseason. You know, we would have seen the Yankees and Rays in the playoffs. And the only team that really benefited from it was, I think, is and is still alive is the Astros because they got to – they play no one outside of Oakland in that division. And if they were in any other division, they would have missed the playoffs. And with the expanded playoffs, they would have yes, missed the Yes, I'm still with the well. expanded playoffs. They would have missed the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, they would have. And another thing that just is inflated, like like we did touch upon how the central divisions looked really good this year, but it's inflated because they have two in- abysmal teams uh, at the bottom between those two divisions. Uh, we saw that the Twins, the Indians, and the White Sox, they all finished in 35 or 36 win range, which in a 162-game season brings you to like somewhere between 93 and 96 wins. And I don't think all three of those teams would have had that many wins in a regular season. Uh, that's probably chalked up to getting 10 games against the Kansas City Royals and 10 game, more games against the Detroit Tigers and then a couple more against the Pirates. And that kind of showed in the playoffs when those teams just disappointed. Those teams just got their asses handed to them. And it showed that even though their records looked really good and would have been really impressive if they carried it out through a 162-game season, that – their records were kind of inflated just by being in the central. Yeah, I think the central has, uh, over the years, they've kind of been that division where it's, you know, you have teams, it's basically all or nothing. You have teams in the NL central, you have teams like the Cubs and the Cardinals. And then on the lower end, you have the Pirates, who haven't had a winning season in a few years. And the Reds. The Reds actually came out, it did well this season, but, you know, normally they're not on the winning side of things. I think it's definitely a one-sided division, and it shows that when, you fit, when they face teams outside their division, you know, they're going to get rocked and they're going to get hurt. Yeah, that's where they get some problems, and it just makes people not as ready for this deep competition they're playing in the postseason as well. So it's kind of like, yes, your record looks better, uh, but you're not facing that competition which is why it looks better and you're not suited to play that competition that is at that level exactly so well, let's move on to our recaps of the series i guess we'll start with the same format that we started last week so the first series that we'll go over is going to be the houston astros at the minnesota twins and man manikino i think we both picked the twins to win the series and it was the exact opposite the former bomber squad couldn't even put up more than two total runs in the entire series against an Astros pitching staff that has been below league average this entire year uh, and didn't have Justin Verlander for most of the season. So it was just really disappointing from the twin side of things. Uh, in game one, it was a really good game up until the ninth when uh, they had the error by Jorge Polanco with two outs in the top of the ninth, which kind of ruined things for them. Everything started to spiral down after that, and Houston scored three runs in the top of the ninth. And then in game two, they just couldn't get 
the offense going again. They had a total of three hits against uh, your committee from the Astros, and then it was a bullpen game after five innings, but they just couldn't score runs. They could barely get hits, and they just couldn't put up runs, and that was the ultimate deciding factor. Yeah, uh, I thought history was going to repeat itself, and they were going to – I thought this was a good team, and they were going to lose to the Yankees like they always do and, and get swept. But I guess the history, they, they don't just can't beat the Yankees in October. It's just they can't win an October period. What is it now? They've lost 17 or 18 straight playoff yeah, games. 0 and 18. Yeah, yeah 18. 18 now, 18 in a row. It's, a worse, it's not even the worst in the MLB. It's the worst active streak in all professional sports. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You would, you would think if you could get to – you're good enough to get to the playoffs. And ba- I, baseball, it's hard to make the playoffs. I'd be able to take at least one game. But I don't know, this, this is a team that we looked at for the offense and – I mean, in game one, they had Granky on the ropes in the first inning. They had him throw like 30 pitches and they loaded the yeah, bases. Yeah, he looked one bad. Out. It looked like. And then they just they couldn't score. And then all of a sudden, they can't get anything going offensively all series. The Astros didn't, didn't have much pitching and they embarrassed this Twins offense that we thought was really good. So just, you know, the Astros are now, they go un- sub 500, they get, a, they get an amazing first round matchup. They get to play a team that doesn't know how to win postseason games. And now they're, they're back in the ALDS. Just disappointing for for Twins fans. And but what what can you say except this team just doesn't understand how the playoffs work. And the most surprising thing to me is that that the Astros had eight total hits in the first game. The amount of hits that the Twins had in the entire series was seven. So the Twins got out hit by the Astros in one game while they had two games to do it. Uh, Jack, any thoughts? Um, I just don't like to see the Astros win. If we're gonna be honest, oh but yeah, none of us. I do. agree with Mike. I don't think the Twins know how to play in October and how to play in the playoffs in general. I just think it's, you know, I think it comes down to their pitching as well. They don't have that solid of a pitching staff. Well, their pitching did well. Maeda went out there in game one, had a hell of a game, and the bullpen did well. It was just a defensive mistake that killed it for them, even though the Twins maybe wouldn't have won it in extras just because their offense wasn't able to get going. But their pitching wasn't a problem, especially in game two or game one. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I don't. I really don't know what it is. If they can't win in October, I think you may, may, may to make some – uh, I don't know, managerial changes that they keep getting there and just keep losing. But I, I like Rocco Baldetti. I don't think he's a bad manager. I think he's done well with the team. But if he can't win in October, um, I think that's a big problem. Yeah, that kind of will ruin his legacy, so to speak. Yeah. I got one more thing, Justin. If you if you tell the Twins the way that Maeda and Barrios were going to go out and throw the ball in that series, you'd think you would sweep with the offense that they have. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you would think they'd go out there and get you like four would, or five runs per game at least. The way the way those two threw the ball, you think you're you're moving on easy, no question. Especially with the, how bad Astro pitching has been this year. But they just the entire offense went cold at the absolute wrong time. Tough to see. But you're gonna power you know. lineup too. You have Sano, Cruz, uh, Byron Buxton. Buxton had a nice breakout year. They do have a lot of. They do have a lot of swing and miss, which is an issue. But he, Nelson Cruz was swinging the bat well all series. He had, he had a couple rocket doubles. but yeah, He was really the he, only one, the only bat that showed up in that team. He couldn't do it all by himself, though. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's truly unfortunate. And you, you hate to see it, but 
man oh man i i guess that's kind of a one major flaw in the way that the game is handled today where a lot of teams just value these power guys and yeah it's nice to have the potential to hit home runs every at bat but at the same time the bats can go cold so much easier if you have a bunch of guys like Sano out there instead of guys like say I, I hate to use the Mets example but I'm going to use it Jeff McNeil who consistently hits above 300 so if you have guys that can go out there and consistently get hits it, you just have you might not have as much of a big inning potential as these teams like the Twins have, but you have a much better, you have more consistency out there. And that's just my, that's my old school rant for the day. That's why DJ LeMahieu is the most important player to the Yankees. And when he's out, they can't, they can't get anything going because they, everyone in that lineup is, can hit a home run if you make a mistake, but you make three good pitches there, you're going to strike him out. DJ LeMahieu can, he's going to shoot the ball to right field. He's going to hit it back up the middle. And he's just going to, you know, you make a good pitch to DJ LeMahieu. He might just serve it in the right field. Unlike a guy like Judge or Stanton who, you know, you you make a pitch on the black and he's, you know, you're striking him out. DJ LeMahieu is – guys like that are the glue to playoff teams. You, it's nice to have those guys at home and, and walk in the middle of the lineup, but you can't win with just them. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. And speaking of DJ LeMahieu, uh, you made him your – postseason or your MVP pick before heading into the postseason and I had mine as Jose Abreu and it's gonna be the way that we move on to the White Sox athletic series but man Jose Abreu just did not look good in this series and I guess he was proven why I was wrong to pick him as my MVP pick he had a great regular season but he did not come up clutch at all in this series didn't he homer in game one Justin um, well, yeah, he did, but then in game two and game three, he had multiple pl- times where he needed it, where it was in clutch situations with the bases loaded and he just couldn't perform. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, said, sure. I mean, yeah, like, he, homered, the, he homered in game one, I but remember him hitting it the wasn't in game one. It wasn't in a clutch situation, though. So, I mean, yes, it was nice to see him homer in game one, but then after that, when they needed him, he just faded away. I said before the postseason, Jose Abreu had a fantastic season. But whether he wins MVP is going to come down to how well he does in the playoffs. And I think he just, like you said, I think he just proved that he's not MVP material because of, you know, granted he doesn't have much experience. I don't think he has any actually in the postseason. Yeah, no, no. If you're going to play at such a high level like that, I think you need to be able to carry it over. Yeah, in game one, like, he, he had a good game one. He didn't leave anyone in base. But yeah, then he hit game... the bomb in game one, and, the, yeah, he, he fell off the face of the earth after he hit the, the, the game bomb. Two, game two, he left six men on base. Game three, he left five men on base. And I think there were at least two times where there were bases loaded uh, when that happened. Uh, he, he left – he was, I think, 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position, I believe, which is just terrible. Um, so he, he didn't come up clutch, and he his team needed him, and he didn't come through. I don't think that's the biggest reason that they um, that they lost. Their bullpen uh, was just absolutely. It was taxed. It was taxed. Yeah, it was taxed. You saw it. You saw it after game one. Lucas Giolito went out there and threw a gem. So game one, he kind of relieved the bullpen a bit. They didn't really need to throw. But game two was a bullpen day for the White Sox. And then game three, uh, Dane Dodden goes out there and he can't even go out past the first inning. They take him out after getting two guys out and leaving runners on first and third. They bring Garrett Crochet in, and then Crochet gets hurt in the second. And then that's a bullpen game after Crochet that. getting hurt is what killed them. It did. They, need, they needed some length out of him, and that kid is filthy. 
I mean, he's only been in the big leagues for like two weeks, but kid's looking like a young Aroldis Chapman. He is fun to watch. That was that was to a tough injury to see. Now, something I found a little bit interesting was how they didn't bring Dylan Cease into the game. I know he pitched. I know he pitched one inning in game two, but you needed a guy with your bullpen taxed. And when you know it's going to be a bullpen game because you took your starter out after the first inning or in the first inning, they could have gotten him for four or five innings, and they decided not to go with him. And I think that also played into a pretty big part. Yeah, I I don't know that they feel he could do that. Otherwise, they would have. He's been a starter all year. I don't know that they his arm is ready to bounce back and pitch multiple innings the next day after throwing an inning in game two. I know, you know, I can't can't really speak to that, but I know he's been he was in the rotation all year and moving him to the bullpen. I'm not sure he's he's got that he didn't have that much experience with that this year. So I'm not sure if he's his arm was ready to throw the day after. Maybe not, but it was only like fifteen pitches in game two. Yeah. You know, warm up, strip to the mound, game energy. Yeah, yeah. And then on the athletic side of things, um, their their pitching was fantastic. Game two, Bassett, Chris Bassett went out there through seven innings, only gave up the one run. Uh, but then Liam Hendricks came in, in in game two, and he wasn't looking good. He had to go through forty nine pitches to get through an inning and two thirds. He gave up a home run in the process, but ultimately. They held on, and Jake Dykeman came in for the save in that game. And then Hendricks came out for the second game in a row after throwing 49 pitches the day before, something that he's definitely not accustomed to, uh, throwing 49 pitches in one game. And he gave up one hit in the ninth in route to getting the save in game three and having a 6-4 final in that game. I think the A's did a really good job on offense, too, even without their best player, Matt Chapman, who got hurt right before the playoffs and that was a big blow to them, but they, 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 uh, they didn't waver at all. They kept playing their game and, you know, even without Chapman's power bat and it's just his incredible defense at third base, which I, I personally think is the best in the league. Definitely um, up there. Not going to argue. He, uh, they did a great job. Yeah, they did, which really surprised me. I, I didn't have that much faith in this A's offense. He was struggling all year. Um, obviously, with Chapman out and with Matt Olson struggling, I didn't think that they could really do that much. But they they, they shocked me. Um, Sean Murphy had a huge two-run homer in it. Chad Pinder looked good with a two-run RBI. Simeon had a home run. Even Chris Davis had a home run. So they're getting pretty good amounts of contributions from a variety of guys across the series. And they ultimately just... They hit the White Sox at a bad time. The White Sox ended the regular season uh, on a cold streak, and they continued to stay cold uh, for the most for the series. Yeah, one one more thought on that series, Justin. After after game one, the way they were swinging the bats, Anderson and Abreu came out hot. They got a little got the bomb from Adam Angle. I thought that the series was over, especially the way Giolito shoved and set the tone. But yeah, I thought gotta so give, too. Got to give credit to the A's. They play team baseball. They play the game the right way. Small ball analytics. And they, they got it done. They came out, dominated game two, and then won a, won a little bit of a, more of a roller coaster game three. So, you know, congrats to the A's now. Hopefully they can, they can take care of Houston at the, the ALDS here. Yeah, every baseball fan across America is going to be rooting for the Oakland Athletics, aside from those based in Houston, Texas. 
Next series we want to move on to is going to be the one between the AL East foes. The Tampa Bay Rays hosted the Toronto Blue Jays. And man, this one wasn't even close. We kind of expected it going into the season. Uh, Blue Jays, really good young core, but they're just not ready for the postseason. Uh, and the Rays pitching is just so much better. We kind of saw that when the Blue Jays only put up three runs in the two games. And uh, I think the most surprising part of the series if I had to say something, was just how poorly Hyunjin Ryu pitched. Man, he went out there and he couldn't even get out of the second inning against the Rays. He gave up seven total runs, albeit three of them were earned, but he gave up two blasts in that eight total hits, and he didn't get out of the second inning. And by that point, it was the series was basically over. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, the Blue Jays are a super young team. Uh, and they don't have any postseason experience. And I think that showed. They are very talented, though. Their talent level is very high for such a young group of players. But I just knew, facing that raised pitching staff, which is outstanding, that they were – that uh, that the series was going to be over in two games with the Rays winning. Yeah. Yeah, this was – Again, I like I said last time. This is a this is a fun young Toronto core with with Bo and and Biggio and and Vladdy and the kid Pearson coming up throwing bullets. But they're just not. It's not their year. They're a couple of years away from being really good, but they're just not their time yet. They went out and they they had to play the best team in the American League, and it really showed that they didn't belong in this postseason. Probably the one team in the American League that really didn't belong in the postseason, I would say. Like all the other – the three central teams had great regular seasons, got rewarded. Like the Yankees as the four. And then Houston. I mean, even even as much as I want the Astros to lose, I think they got to they gotta be there to – you know, for it to – they're the, they're the reigning AL champs. So I think I think the all – the central was good. The Yankees and Rays obviously deserve to be there, but the – the Jays kind of, kind of just had was was fringe in there, but hang in there, you know. A couple years, Blue Jays fans, it'll be the AL East might be yours. Well, well, here, here's the thing. You just said the Astros should be in because they're the AL champs, but they're below 500. Would you just say, hey, let's throw the Nationals in because they were the World Series champs? I mean, that's well, not that's, really a great. That's point not exactly. To make. I mean, that's not exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you're if you're a team like the Yankees, you don't want to. Or at least as a Yankee fan, I would, I would like to see Houston advance to the ALCS and then the Yankees, you know, wipe the floor with them. I, I 100% you know, agree, Mike. You don't, you don't want it to be like, well, you know, you ne- you want to shake the Houston monkey off your back. You don't want it to be you can never beat the Astros. I, I would like to see, the, you know, leave no doubt, you know, you couldn't beat the Rays in the regular season, beat the Rays, and then you go and you get to play the, the Astros and you, you take care of them. And it's weak, you know. The, the thing in the past was we couldn't get past the, the Astros and the ALCS, and that's that's over and done with. So just from that that point of it, from a baseball – From a Yankees fan view, standpoint. From a Yankee fan standpoint, mm-hmm. I would like to see – I would like to see the Yankees beat the Astros in, in October. More – more. I mean, I would, it would also would have been cool for them to just miss the playoffs with the way, with the way they struggled. But, you know, watching – Watching Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa be baffled when they don't know what pitch Aroldis Chapman is about to throw would be cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, and man, speaking of speaking of Correa, 
Um, I, we didn't really talk about um, what he was saying. We've got to talk about that when we went over the oh, yes. over the Ooh. Blue Jays or when we went over the Astros Twin Series. What do you guys think of Correa's comments? Um, I thought he was just out of pocket. I think most people can really say yeah, he was out of pocket, yeah. but I don't know. Carlos Correa is he's up there for my least favorite human being. I have just <laughs> I have always hated Carlos Correa, my least favorite Astro. Even before the cheating stuff came out, I was a big Altuve guy. I liked Altuve, respected it. Yeah, a lot of people did. Representing for the short guys out there. I like Bregman, (laughs) but it's just, I don't know, something about him just always irritated me. He's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. He just just irks me. I I didn't know what it was. And then he comes out with the the statement about when when they're first cheating and about no and this and that. And then... And then this statement, it's like, yeah, you got you got lucky. You got to play the twins. You got to play yeah, a team yeah. that doesn't doesn't play well in October. We will we will see how it doesn't take away from the fact that you cheated, that you were able to win a post two games in October. That doesn't take away that, you know, what you did to the game. So I I hate Carlos Correa. You know, I'm I'm okay making that well known. So I, you know. I don't know. He's just got a punchable face. I think I don't. I just don't like the guy. <laughs> yeah, I and then he, he asked. Agree. He asked, "Yo, what are you guys gonna say now?" Uh, well, we're gonna say you cheated. You did not deserve to be in a 2017 World Series. You cheated. We hate you. I mean, what do you want us to say? You won. So what? You won the first round of a three-game playoff series. Congrats. I mean, is that what you want to hear? You want a crapshoot yeah. game? I mean, cool. <laughs> yeah, I think he just shut yeah. his mouth. The I other like, thing, the other thing that interests me was after game two when he had said, "Oh yeah, uh, I I didn't like how much they were talking about the cheating stamp scandal in game one." Well, first of all, if you didn't like how much they were talking about it, you shouldn't have done it to begin with. Second of all, how agree. how do you know how much they were talking about it unless you were watching the broadcast? But wait, you were playing the game, but you were watching the broadcast while playing the game. I mean. You know, that, that would be against the rules. And it would be against have, the rules. Not that they have an aversion to breaking the rules, <laughs> but I think Carlos Correa is the type of guy that would go back and watch the game just to hear what the announcers say about him. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Correa needs to keep his mouth shut. He did what Well he, on the road, he too. He, he would just – he would deliberately find a way to record the game so he could watch it while on the road in the team hotel. That's the type of guy Correa you is. You know what, to be, to be fair – what if these guys are like quarantined to their hotels? What else are they going to do? <laughs> That's a good point. They, they, they will do nothing else. Um, I don't know if you guys saw also what, uh, what Sabathia said after Correa State. Oh, yeah. What oh, did man. Sabathia say? I didn't hear it. He was like, oh, cool. you guys, he, he was all over the place. He was like, you guys played a team that was lost 18 straight playoff games. You cheated your way to the World Series, blah, blah, blah. And he just went off. He Reasonably was, and, so. It was. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. What he said. I thought he put him in his place. That jerk Correa. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, so hopefully you made a team with like baseball, like baseball bad boys, if you want to call it. He'd he's be captain number one. He's the he's captain, captain of that team. Love CC. <laughs> best best CC story is when he goes out with a five hundred thousand dollar bonus on the line. He's got to get three outs. And he has but a dislocated after, shoulder, right? No, no. After. After the raid, the Rays throw at Austin Romine's head and cease, and they warn both benches. And cease, it's the last, it's the last start of his season. He's dealing, this. so he's he's got a chance to go out there. He just got to get three outs, and he gets his five hundred thousand dollar bonus. But instead, he waits until the Rays catcher comes up, and then he plunks him, gets ejected, shout, you know, dropping f bomb, screaming at the Rays dugout, 
as he goes off the field, leaves the bonus out there on the field to stand up for the boys. He's love CC team player. He's always been a team player. Yeah. But everybody in that but... dugout, you talk to any Yankee player, they all they do is rave about what a great leader and teammate he was. So, and, and most of those guys that are on the team now uh, are teammates. We're teammates with him at some point too. Uh, so let's get on to how they did in the series. I'm going to yeah. leave you guys with the floor since you're the Yankees fans and we're watching the series a bit more than I was because you are the Yankees fans. So I'll let you guys take care of this one for now. Yeah, what what a series it was, Justin. I'll, I'll start with game one. I'll let Jack take over for game two here. I mean, game one where, look, we I thought going in this was going to be a pitcher's duel. We had the best pitcher in baseball last year against the best pitcher in baseball this year, Cole versus Bieber. But then – I mean, Cole, Cole delivered the first AL pitcher in postseason history to punch out 13 with no walks in a, in a playoff game. But Absolute Shane Bieber, beast. Shane Bieber did not deliver. He went out classic DJ LeMay, who single to right field. And then judge jumps him first pitch goes 400 feet opposite field. And then the, the game was really over right there. I mean, if, if there were fans there, that would have sucked the energy out of the place. It just proves that even if he can't stay healthy and play, you know, half the games every season. Aaron Judge is just a superhero. And when the bright lights are on, he's going to come out and shine. And then, you know, uh, for game one, Cole dealt, this said a lot about the Yankee offense, Shane Bieber. I mean, he never really looked comfortable out there all night. He never really found it, but the guy had never given up more than four in the regular season. He can't get out of the Mm -hmm. fifth and he gives up seven to this, this Yankee lineup. I mean, everybody except Stanton was having incredible at-bats, spitting on curves in the dirt, working the count, making making Bieber work all night. And then even at the end, Stanton got in on the action with a with a bullet home run, which he which carried over into game two. So game one, Cole, every worth worth every penny in game one. I do it. have I do have a question on game one. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? There are a lot of people that have been out there saying that, oh well, you know out in Cleveland playing against AL Central and NL Central teams. Shane Bieber didn't really face that much competition. Now he faces a real squad and he gets lit up. Uh, he's a fraud. What do you guys think about that? Like, do you actually buy into any of that? Or are you still, are you still thinking that, you know, he just had one eh. bad game and he, he's, he's human? The guy, the guy won a triple crown. I'm going yeah. to give it to him. He's nasty. But, I, I yeah, mean, I agree with you he, had a, he had a – he never did face a, a Yankee-type – offense really no one did all season this is like the first time they're they're really healthy except the last couple games of the regular season so I, I chalk it up to a bad game for him maybe first postseason start maybe some nerves there but I I don't I mean yeah his, his numbers probably wouldn't have been as good if he had to face a couple more if you take away his Royals and Tigers starts but I know Shane Bieber was dealing all season long no yeah, one I, I, I mean, you I definitely play agree bottom with you feeders. There too. You play bottom feeders all season. You don't put up the numbers that he did. So, yeah, I, I think, think it's hard to like, you know, the guy, like you said, the guy won a triple crown. I think it's hard to take that away from him, even if he wasn't playing the best teams, the best lineups in baseball. I still think you have to give it to him. He's a, yeah, yeah. You play, you play your hand with the card you're dealt, and that's exactly what he did out there. And like to, to, I would kind of get it if people had this kind of ripe. If he went out there and did this against, say, like a St. Louis Cardinals team, or not even St. Louis Cardinals team because he played the Cardinals, but more like a Colorado Rockies team, maybe a Seattle Mariners team, a team that he didn't play and only has, like, not a great offense. But 
he goes out there and he goes out there and does it against what is one healthy, the best offense in the entire American league and probably the entire MLB in general. So you can't really fault him for one bad game against the best lineup in the league. Absolutely not. Especially when the Yankees are spitting on pitches in the dirt, like they were that night. If you can't get them to chase off speed, they're you're done. If you, if they, if the Yankees make you throw the ball in the strike zone, the way they were that night, it is over. Yeah, and they, they just I mean, read the ball and so well. I mean, ev- everybody except – I mean, Stanton was flailing at the curveballs all night, but everybody else was spitting tough takes. I mean, it was it was quality at-bats one through nine. The decision to start Gardner over Frazier would oh, be off it. huge. I absolutely love it. I loved it too for game one. I'm not sure about all postseason going that. Like, I think against Snell, I would probably throw Frazier out for the – with the lefty matchup, but the defensive Gardner and the lefty in the middle of the lineup ability where it counts. I love. So this was just Shane Bieber got, I mean, he got jumped. He kind of, he came out first playoff game, maybe a little nervous. And then he just, he faced a lineup that just clicked the one through nine. Everybody was, everybody was there to hit him. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was watching the game here at home with one of my buddies. And uh, before the game starts, he's like, oh, Gardner shouldn't be in this lineup, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes out, Gardner's his first at bat, like he grounds out the short or something. Second at bat, he comes up, my friend's still talking, like, oh, Gardner should, still shouldn't be in this lineup. All he does is hit weak ground balls. And then the next three at bats, he gets a hit, he gets on base. And my friend then goes to me, he goes, did I mention how much I love Gardner in this Yankee lineup today? <laughs> I will, I will I never like, I've understand. been telling you. Yeah, I will never understand Yankee fans that don't like Brett Gardner. It just it blows my mind. I think the guy great. he does he does all the little things. He's the leader. Like he he plays he can play small ball. He runs the bases. He plays great defense. And then he's he's banging the bat on the top of the dugout. He's he's the man. He really Brett's, is. Brett's a very important part of this team. Longest tenured Yankee. The guy deserves to be out there. As much as I love Clint Frazier too, but he's in that. The, the team called for Brett Gardner in game in that series That's with that big left field out there. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch much of this game myself. I forgot which game I was watching during the beginning of it. I believe it was the White Sox game, but I could be wrong. But I remember, Menachino, you texted me right after the, the first inning home run, and I'm like, wow, uh, this really happened. Because I thought Bieber was going to go out there. He was going to absolutely shove. It was going to be a pitcher's duel. So then I, I went to go get food or whatever, and I was thinking of just coming back and watching the rest of the game. And by the time I came back, it was already a blowout. It was like it wasn't even worth watching once the fifth inning hit. Yeah, I mean, it was right, right off the bat. You're, I mean, it's looking you're expecting a pitcher's duel like this is going to be a grinded out one or two run game. Might come down to who makes one mistake and gets their team gets a homer, and then. Right off the bat, Judge goes deep, and all of a sudden it's with Lemayhu on first, and it's two nothing already. And now you got you got Cole, who's been red hot in September in the bullpen, and you're just you feel like this one's over. So that was yeah. that was huge. That that homer absolutely set the tone for the whole series. Yeah, so that did it for game one, and uh, let's move on to game two, Jack. What were your what's your recap for game two? Game two to me was the game of the year. Oh, yeah. It, just an offensive matchup, completely back and forth. I thought it was a great game. The Yankees didn't come out strong. Uh, the bats 
were a little cold for the first few innings, and Carrasco had their number. But um, and Tanaka didn't do didn't do as good as I thought he was going to do. Gave up a few, gave a few hits, a uh, couple runs. But um, as soon as the fourth inning hit, the as soon as Carrasco came around for that Yankee lineup for the second time, they they uh, they knew what to expect, and the, they got to him. Loaded the bases, took him out, and then. Uh, Gio Ochoa with that big grand slam. That yeah, I, I was, I was watching that game. Uh, I, I was like 10, 15 seconds on delay because I was watching it. Uh, I think on my phone, and as soon as I see the ball fly off the bat, I'm like, okay, it's a home run. Literally two seconds after I see that happen, I already get a text from Manichino. It's like, yo, that was crazy. Let's go. I was like, wow, that was that was a pretty nice shot. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was a moonshot. <laughs> Right off the bat, you knew it. And that's that's that game was just so nuts. It comes out. They make Tanaka go out there in the first inning in like a monsoon. Like you can see him yeah, whipping in the wind great. out there. And yeah, I, yeah. I was as soon as I saw I was I was at work like glancing back and forth at the TV. And as soon as I saw the the wind and the rain, I was like, This is he is going to get shelled. Tanaka with the way he throws the splitter and the slider, he relies so heavily on on getting good spin. He has never been very good in the rain, so I was I was worried right away. They put the I was I was pissed that they you know they made him go out there. He gives up two doubles and they put the tarp on. So tough first inning, but I mean as much as I I I hate Giancarlo Stanton much more than the next guy among Yankee fans. <laughs> uh, there there's some that like him there, and then there are others like me that just I've, I've never been a fan. But I got to give him credit for game two. He put forth really good at bats all night after a bad game one. He came out and he set the tone with the big home run off Carrasco to get it started. He had a couple good, good at bats. Worked a couple walks after that, and then that Gio or shit. I thought it was interesting that they took Carrasco out. They really wanted to, you know, like make sure it, it was a winner go home game for them. Yeah. So they really played it aggressive, and they, they brought put in, in their that best kid. their best yeah, they, arm, Jay Karinchak. Yeah, they brought in Karinchak, which I liked. I'm like, me this, too, this dude. Guy, I. I... I remember, like, I was—I actually did text you before this at bat, and I'm like, dude, there's no way that they're gonna. I, the, the last thing that you want right now is James Karinchak coming into the game. The guy, the guy was at, the guy is at was averaging two two strikeouts an inning. So this is, I mean, the the matchup makes a total sense. You got bases loaded, nobody out. Let's bring in the guy that you know excels at limiting contact, and then Gio Urshela against his former team, just ice in his veins, three Oof. two count, gets the low heater, and then just just a bomb to left center. And then he made that great play that really saved the game with, with Chapman on the mound. The Yankees were down 9-8, and he picks it, and then from the seat of his pants turns the double play, which if he doesn't make that play, then it's a 10-8 it's a yeah, game. game's and still going. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Then you're down by two, and you're, you're screwed. I think the Yankees in general, not just, like you said, not just Stanton, but I think that entire lineup did a great job of just recognizing off-speed pitches and – fouling off tough pitches and just having really, really good at bats that really drove the Indians pitchers nuts. And I think that's, that's what their key to success is going to be is that they have these, is just have these fantastic at bats that get them, that get them deep into counts and drive up pitch counts and, um, and allow them to find a pitch to hit and then do what they do. That big Yankee lineup getting hits and hitting home runs and putting up runs on the board consistently. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because the pitcher's there. The pitcher will probably get you there, especially the bullpen. The bullpen's going to be perfectly bullpen fine. Is, the 
but the bullpen's going to be filthy. Um, if you're going Absolutely. into a five game series like this, though, I'm not entirely sure. Like, you might have a bump or Gotta two. Gotta be careful. You might have a bump or two in a rotation, but the bullpen will definitely. I don't. Be the I, I think I disagree. Part. I think they got to be careful with the bullpen. The way More Boone, so the yeah, the way Boone used the bullpen last year against the Astros is what cost them the series because he would just no faith in the in the starters early. He really overused the relievers early in the series, and by the end, you could see that they had the Astros kind of had their number by the end. I would, I would prefer he's been. I think Boone has stuck with his starters more this year, and to be fair, he has Cole this year, but. He's let Tanaka and even Davey Garcia go deeper into games. I would look for I, – I don't think we're going to see like we did last year in the playoffs, like Boone coming out in the fifth or sixth inning and going to Ottavino for the righty-righty matchup. I think No, you gonna, can't. Yeah. Especially without – Tom missing Tommy Canely this year is – I mean, huge. out of the pitchers that are out, like – I mean, Severino missing is huge and Paxton missing is really not that big of a deal. But Canely, they, they just haven't been able to replace him this year in that seventh inning role. They haven't been able to find find a guy. Ottavino really hasn't been good since the start of last year's playoffs. Chad Green had was kind of up and down this year. I always always got a soft spot in my heart for Chad Green, but he wasn't he didn't have his best year. Britain is still Zach Britton. Chapman had his ups and downs. But the bullpen is still very good. It's not what it once was. It's not what it could be. I... Yeah it's it's not what it could be. The rotation, though, is much stronger than it was last last year's postseason. So I think you're looking for with you got Cole, obviously. You need big games from Tanaka. Hap was hot down the stretch, and then Garcia game four. The fact that they have a little more depth in the rotation this year is going to help them with the no off days. Uh, how much do you trust? How much do you trust Hap to continue that hot streak? Not at all. Yeah, exactly. that's my big issue there. No, no trust in him whatsoever, but. I if think the series went I to think, three games. I think the Yankees would have lost purely because Hap is just not a consistent pitcher, and I don't think he would have performed well in that game under that much pressure. I don't think he would have. I don't think that he would have performed well at all. Yeah, that was. I was. I was very worried when the Indians took that four nothing lead that it was going to go three, and then that's you know, Plesac was really good. I mean, he's he's a young kid, but he was really good this year. I against the Rays, I'm worried about about Jay Hap. But I mean, you have you have no choice but to to use him. Hopefully, he can give you like six and three, keep you in a keep you in a ball game against yeah. against like a Charlie Morton. That's a game that Chad Green needs to come in and That's- do well because you know I don't think Mike, you may or may not agree with this, but I don't think half is going to go more than four or five innings. Yeah, you're, if you he can't gets trust there, him to go more. against a good, a good, a good, Tampa a good lineup, lineup yeah, I don't I think he's going to get there. I think Chad Green needs to have his have his A game. A big, a big that one that's reliever. that's scary that they might have to rely on is going to be Johnny Lasagna, Jonathan Loizen. Oh, yeah. Listen, he's been solid all year. I, 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 I don't know. I was, I was devastated right before when they brought him in the game. They took Britton out and brought him in. I was, I just, I was. Talking to my friends, I just texted everybody. Why is Johnny Lasagna in this game right now with a with a two run lead and two outs? Why are we going to Jonathan Lewisaga here? But and I mean, I unfortunately I was right. He gave up the booming double to a guy that was what was it three for fifty three against righties all year. So, but they're gonna in a five game series, they're gonna need him to pick up the slack in some in those middle innings and throw some 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 two three inning relief performances and be solid. And hopefully he'll get you there. I expect him to. I mean, 
I would hope he does get you there. Uh, I, I expect, I would expect him to be more reliable than Hap. Uh, that's a, I think that's a bit of a stretch. At least Jay Hap has been there and he's been pitching better down the stretch. Loisaga has, I guess he's been there too now a little bit, but it's nothing. He hasn't had anything to show for it. I like, I like Jay Hap just for the experience. I don't think he's he's the three starter. Like you're not expecting. I'm not expecting Jay Hap to go out there and dominate or you know win win the Yankees a ball game. Yeah, you're looking for Jay Hap to maybe give you five, five and two, five innings, two runs, and then you'll be two three runs and you'd be okay with that. You probably still win that game. But as long as the, the real key to the series is the Rays did beat up on Garrett Cole this year. Chi Man Choi just for some reason just owns Garrett Cole. That is game one is the I mean game three is the most important game of the series, but game one is gonna be because if the Yankees don't win the game that they throw Cole, the, the Rays rotation is extremely deep with Morton and Glass now after Snell. And the Yankees can't they've they face Glass now couple times this year and they they couldn't touch him the kid is the kid is filthy with the the hundred mile an hour heater and the wicked curve that just falls off the face of the earth yeah so, yeah the Yankees could possibly be in trouble if, if they don't go out there and win that game if, three if, but let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves that is for not. more that's for later in the show uh, one, let's more move thing, on. Justin, one more thing yes we keep talking about the Yankees for that wild card series but uh Jose Ramirez in game two, especially, made his case for MVP. Oh, yeah, J. Rom. So he just kept hitting. He was double after double after run after run. And, you know, the Yankees really didn't have a solution for him, the Yankees pitching staff. Because, I mean, I think, I personally think he's a very, very talented player that just sure. needs a little bit of a boost and he can be that MVP candidate. But I, but he he uh, he had the Yankees pitching staff. Yeah, he, he could definitely be. A he was the only one. Too. Yeah, we saw him as an MVP candidate in 2017, and then he kind of took a step back the last couple of years. And then this year, he got real hot in, in September. And the Yankees have never been able to get him out. He is just a great hitter, little guy, switch hitter. Love what love what he's able to do. And if the Indians had a couple other guys, just a few other guys swinging the bat hot, they would have won the series. The way he was. He was coming up big every time, just shooting the ball all over the field. Yeah, their team was hitting well than they had all year, uh, which was shocking given the two starters the Yankees were throwing out there. But, uh, yeah, let's move on to the NL wildcard side of things now. Uh, let's start off with the Reds versus the Braves. And, wow, I, I just want to say that this first game was absolutely a beautiful display of pitching. Both Trevor Bauer and Max Fried went out there, and they each shoved. Max Fried went out there. He got seven pitches, seven innings of shutout ball and six hits given up. And Trevor Bauer had 12 strikeouts over the course of seven and two-thirds scoreless two-hit innings. But uh, this game went 13 innings. And the Cincinnati Reds, they were looking like the New York Mets out here. They were actually getting a good amount of hits. They, they, they didn't hit terribly in terms of the average department. They were getting runners on base. They had 11 total hits, but they just couldn't put the runners across the plate. They went out there and they left 13 total runners on base and they had a team risk of one for 12. They were one for 12 with runners in scoring position. And uh, they had the bases loaded in back-to-back innings in extras against the Braves bullpen. And they just couldn't capitalize. And Freddie Freeman made them pay the price in the 13th inning. 
Yeah, Trevor Bauer, like you said, it's a very good comparison with the Mets. Um, Trevor Bauer goes out there and has his best stuff, similar to Jacob DeGrom, but they just can't get any run support. And uh, to me, Trevor Bauer is the NL Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, I believe so as well. I I, I think he wins it. But um, yeah, he 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 had his best stuff, but he just again he couldn't get run support, and that was what that was the deciding factor in that game. And then in game two, Cincinnati, man, they just couldn't get hits this time around. Uh, Ian Anderson went out there, and he two hit them. He gave up two hits through six innings. Then the bullpen came in. Uh, Will Smith came in, and then after him came Chris Martin and Mark Melanson finished it off, and they just didn't give up any hits, the bullpen. They went out there, and Cincinnati was just disappointed, got two total hits. Um, those were both – those were courtesy of uh, Eugenio Suarez, and Freddie Galvis was one of the two guys that was actually pretty surprising to see that he was one of the guys to get a hit when the rest of the lineup couldn't get it. And then Atlanta – Carried by uh, a four-run eighth inning, won five to nothing in that game. Adam Duvall had that uh, huge home run in the eighth, but Ozuna had one in the fifth. Ozuna's one obviously put them ahead, but uh, Adam Duvall sealed the deal in the eighth. He had a really – he had a breakout year, Adam Duvall. Yeah, he had a couple three-homer games, which kind of yeah, yeah, that was huge. But no, he had a good year. I think this series, Justin, was exactly what I chalked it up to. It was that the Reds had some crazy good starting pitching, but at the end of the day, their bullpen and offense weren't going to be able to do enough for them. That's exactly what it was. Their their bullpen didn't even let them down all that much, um, aside from Rizal Iglesias in Game Two when he gave up the four. Yeah, they. They're, they're pitching hung in, but it just got to a point where once they got past their starters, the brave offense, as cold as it was, they were going to get a run. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Just, and it, it was just the offense letting them down, which we, gotta, I can't say wasn't expected. All, all the pitchers in this series were fantastic. I mean, on both sides with Freed and, and Bauer going back and forth in game one, Bauer absolutely dominated. But, I mean, he got no support, and he ends up with a no decision, and they lose that game in 13 thanks to the MVP, Freddie Freeman, with the – with the big hit. Yeah, and he's your MVP game. pick, and he kind of established two, why. Cost, what, a, what a Castillo give him six and one. I don't think five the Ozuna. And five and a five third. And a third. I, I don't think the Ozuna homer put him ahead. I think they got a run. Before, I think the Ozuna was a two run shot that gave him two runs of insurance. Castillo, oh, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Yeah, because Acuna, Acuna went off in game three. Yeah, yeah. In game two, I should say. And then Ian, Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, and then Ian Anderson was just. It was lights out. I mean, I, w- I wasn't sure because he's, he's been really good, but he's a rookie, and he, he really lived up to the – he stepped up big time, and he shut that, that red team down in game two. That Braves lineup is very scary. Yeah, it is that, scary. And it, it's is a, it is a very power-plus-contact-filled um, lineup. Yeah, and they're going to give the Marlins a Cunha, lot of trouble. Freeman. It's, it's a lot of uh, – yeah. It's a very balanced lineup. I mean, we don't even talk about guys like Albies and Darno just because it's so deep. I mean, they have yeah, exactly. Yeah, have it's, it's ton, just top to a ton bottom of offense. The the lack of pitching is a little scary, but with the way Anderson threw the ball, if you're a Braves fan, you got to be really encouraged going forward. 
for sure. Uh, I think the most, like, the, the wildest story coming out of this series, though, aside from, obviously, the, the result, even though the result wasn't that wild, uh, but the biggest story overall was the beef that Cunha and oh, Trevor yeah, Bauer had Cunha. on Twitter, Twitter. man. <laughs> Acuna goes out there after they eliminate them, and he tweets a picture of, uh, what was it, Jonas Valanciunas, I no, believe? Marcus Saul doing that. Oh, it was Marcus Saul, McGregor, yeah, yeah. The McGregor Same. strut. And he was saying go home, and then Trevor Bauer just wasn't have any having any of it. But yeah, the, I, the Bauer response was great. I love the, the Bauer, Bauer response, response. Was great. I love Bauer in I, general. I'm, I'm not sure whether I love or hate Trevor Bauer, but I mean Acuna, you're coming after the wrong guy. Like he he showed you up in the series. I mean, he yeah, like, he did. Punched, he struck him out. What did he punch out? Twelve, he, thirteen Braves. I mean, he yeah. dominated. He he shoved. He just didn't get any run support. They didn't and, lose. You didn't go out there and you like hit a bomb off off Trevor Bauer. He shut you down, Ronnie. Akuna. Yeah, and he, he was... went out there and tweeted out the compilation of him striking him out. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a team game, and Ronald Acuna's team won, but on the individual – I mean, Trevor Bauer probably had the best performance of the whole series, though, so that's not – I yeah, thought no Ronald it's Acuna was in the wrong there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It'll yeah, be interesting pretty... to see where Bauer goes uh, this year. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm really – kind of just saying this from the heart instead of my head but i think that it could give the mets a little bit of an edge because now if bauer goes out there and comes to the mets he gets to face acuna multiple times this season well we, we saw a little we saw a little teaser just today of him hitting that going to the red Sox. so Ooh, interesting i don't like that <laughs> neither do i, I yeah he posted a little something on his on his twitter i believe of him going to boston yeah, yeah on a flight. going to boston so. interesting I don't know. He's he's kind of a guy that's going to have a lot of fun with this in like trying to trick people and where he's going. That's oh just, yeah, like, for the way sure. He if is. anyone has fun with it, so, it will be this guy. I like the way the thing he said about he would sign. He will consider all offers about if someone asked him if he would go to Houston. So I he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of fun with trying to troll people this off season. I know and for then sure. So we'll, I look forward to it. We'll see where he winds up. We you know, but we can't we can't get into that too much right now because we still got a lot of playoff. Playoff we do have a there. lot of playoff baseball to get to. We got three more series to go over and just four more to preview. But let's move on to the Marlins taking on the Cubs. And, man, the Cubbies just have not been the same team they were when they were, won the World Series a few years back. And the Marlins went out there. They took care of business. They won the first game 5-1. to one. Uh, Their pitching just did absolutely fantastic. Sandy Alcantara went out there, got six and two-thirds, and then the bullpen took care of business after that. Game two was postponed until Friday, and it was a slow game. It was, it was just a slow offensive game. Miami, there was no score until Miami scored two in the top of the seventh, and then that was the only scoring that went on through the entire day. You uh, Darvish was looking great up until that seventh inning, and then I mean, Hendricks, he gave up. Both. Yeah, he, he and Hendricks looked both, great. Both guys dealing until they weren't in the seventh inning. Yeah, the seventh inning killed both of them. Uh, the Cooper home run against Darvish. And then after that, the, the bullpen looked good for Chicago, but it was too little too late, and their offense just couldn't get anything done, much like most of, most of the regular season. I like the Marlins. Uh, I, I just like them, I think. You know, even with all they went through, they went through that whole COVID thing. Yeah, man, the they, they brought that up. They did they not had, let you forget that on the broadcast. They mentioned yeah, it a billion times that they had COVID. 17 players, I believe, uh, just in and out. And um, 
I think the the young players they brought up really really uh really showed out their talent and that were big pieces in helping them win that series and get to the playoffs in general. Yeah, they were, and they're kind of like a shocker team uh, of the world. I saw like a lot of Mets Twitter was actually were actually happy for the Marlins because you know the Marlins had all that to go through and the Marlins it's not like they're the Braves or the Phillies where we all hate them uh they're kind of like the team that no one absolutely hates in the NL East even if they're an NL East foe and uh by the way the Marlins have yet to lose a playoff series that's right Justin I was just gonna bring that up they're now seven and oh in playoff series if they're in they win so if they get in the playoffs they go the distance every time will history repeat itself that that remains to be seen, but that I mean, remains to be seen. And we'll this see is just how an, this is an incredibly well-run organization. You got the greatest shortstop of all time, Derek Jeter, at the helm as the owner, and then you got Donnie Overrated. Baseball, the greatest defensive first baseman ever, as the manager. And with a guy like guys like that running your organization, how could you not be great? So this team is like, I mean, you had what eighteen players go down from COVID beginning of the year. Great story. A team that even. I mean, any team that happens, you wouldn't think they were going to make the playoffs. But this was a team that no one thought even had a chance coming Oh, in. yeah, so, everyone was writing them off. And then, I mean, they got, they got some arms. The kids, the kids Sanchez and Alcantara, those, those young, like, Dominican righties, they can, they can throw the baseball. Six, so. six so Sanchez had a lot of talent. Yeah, man. Filthy. I wasn't sure how he'd do in his first postseason game, but he he proved that he's both, the real deal. Both guys, both guys came up big for them. I'm a little concerned. I don't think that they really have the firepower off offensively going forward. But I mean, why why would you bet against the Marlins? Both you times going, they won the World Series. You don't look. You didn't look at that lineup and say this is the best team in baseball. So and they're going against was, the Braves team. Pitch, it was young pitching both times with like Levon Hernandez and Kevin Brown in '97, and then. Josh Beckett and D train in 2003. So I, you know, this team's got it. I mean, they're still in, so they obviously have a shot, but they're, they're, they're definitely, they have the least talent of any playoff team, but I think that they have enough there where I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to make a run. And they're going against a Braves team that has struggled in the pitching department. Yeah, so this is a team and off. They're coming off of a bad offensive series too. So. And this is a team that they want to face going into the playoffs. We'll see how they fare. And we'll talk a lot more about that in just a little bit. But speaking of teams that had dealt with COVID and, uh, you know, the team that had two weeks of their season just completely cut out of the schedule. They had to play, uh, what was it, 27 games in 24 days or something? Uh, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. And they told us all of that during the broadcast, how much adversity they faced. And they went out against San Diego Padres. And they actually looked really strong in the first game of this series when they went out and won 7-4. to four. Then they went out there and they looked really good right off the bat, right off the rip against San Diego. Zach Davies pitched and St. Louis just hit him right off the bat. They scored four runs in the first two innings. Um, then San Diego tacked on two in the bottom of the fourth to make it 4-2. St. Louis answered right back in the top of the sixth to make it 6-2. And then after that, it was all Padres. Padres came back and won 11-9. And then the Padres went out and shut out the St. Louis Cardinals in game three by a final score of four, nothing. And if there's anything that this series showed to me, it's that Fernando Tatis man is the real deal, even more so than we already thought, man. How he, much fun was he in game three? So much fun, man. It was great. watching he's, the entire series. He is a firework. That kid. He has, oh, yeah. and he has, he's very showy. He's a very 
cocky player, but definitely has the talent to back it up at the same time. Absolutely. The way he was flipping the bat, I mean, he's in game two. That was, I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. He is just, he's so electric. He's fun to watch. I, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about the hair, but I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like most, pretty much all baseball fans can just watch this guy and just appreciate the way he, I mean, how hard he plays the game and he is, he's electric and he's fun to watch. I mean, yeah, he had, he had two home runs and five RBIs in the entire series. He hit almost 500. His, his slugging percentage was over 1000. His slugging percentage, not his OPS, his slugging percentage for the wow. series is over a thousand. Uh, given it's a three game series, but still that's ridiculous. Um, especially when you're going up against the top three pitchers that the Cardinals had going out there. Yeah. So, man, Tatis the, is, is the a game, real deal. The game really needs a guy like this, a guy that can be the star. And, I mean, he's got face of baseball potential the way he, he does, how, how charismatic and, and energetic he is. I, the game needs – I mean, as great as Mike Trout is, Mike Trout has been in the playoffs one time and he's never won a postseason game. Having a star that goes out in October – and gets the big hits for his team. And, I mean, he made the diving play in game three, and he's flipping the bat all over the place, hitting tanks. I mean, that's that's what the game needs. The game needs a, a star that's going to perform on the biggest stage. That that You want to be the face of baseball? You, I mean, it, it really helps to be a Yankee, but, <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is just go out and be, play on the big stage. Yeah, and I guess that's really all the talking we had from the series. I guess on the Cardinals' side – Paul Goldschmidt looked really good. Um, yeah, Paul Goldschmidt looked really good. There wasn't that much more uh, on, the, on their team that looked amazing. Goldschmidt's the one that mainly stands out. Uh, Colton Wong had the two-run home run in the second inning against Zach Davies in game two. But aside from that, those were the main guys uh, on St. Louis's side that looked really good. There isn't much more to talk about there, I don't believe. Yeah, no, that series yeah. was – it was fun. It, went, it was the one of – the two that went three games, I enjoyed it. I yeah, did that as was, well. Now we got we to gotta move on to one where I was, I was deadly wrong. Yeah, the Brewers-Dodgers, man. I'm not even going to fault you that much for this, Manichino. Hey, you said I, that – I said if Betts didn't play, it was contingent on that, and Betts did play. So, yeah, I'm not going to really hold that much against you there. Um, but yeah, this, this Brewers team, I don't really think that we need to go that much in depth on this. This Brewers team just isn't good. Their offense, their offense is not good. Their pitching is decent, but it's nothing great. And the Dodgers are going to tear into that all day, uh, with, with both their starting pitching, taking care of business. Uh, Walker Bueller went out there. He had a decent game four or I mean, game one with four innings. Uh, and then Julio Urias just took care of business from there. He played long relief, got three innings out there and then, Clayton Kershaw is just reminding us that, you know, he's not as bad in the postseason as he may seem. Um, and, and the Dodgers just took advantage of the Brewers throughout the entirety of the two-game series, winning 4-2 to in game one and 3 nothing in game two. Yeah, speaking yeah. of the Brewers offense, especially Yelich, who's coming off a – personally, I think he should have won the MVP. But last year, yes, last I agree. Year, um, but he had a very, very disappointing season compared sure to what he did last year and he carried that offense last year and wasn't up to the wasn't up to the challenge this year apparently yeah he was he, he was bad this year all. and they really missed i mean he was awful he was non-existent but they really missed lorenzo kane with him opting out 
and then with Moose and Grand Dog gone, the middle, the heart of that order was just was gone. So they really couldn't get anything going offensively. I thought Woodruff was going to go out there and deal. I mean, the Brewers just didn't listen to me. I said throw Woodruff game <laughs> one and the series is over, and they didn't do it. They saved him for game two against Kershaw. Which was a and dumb decision. Was a, it was a mistake because if they threw a Woodruff game one, they might have been able to win that series. And with Betts playing, Mookie Betts was the best player on. I think it throughout the first round of the playoffs overall. He was outstanding. It's between him and Tatis. They both had but he hit series. him and Tatis for sure. With Tatis hitting the two homers makes it close. But Betts was Betts was really good. He was I think he was the difference in both games. So I'm not I'm not going back on what I said last episode when I said that if Betts doesn't play with the Brewers, we're going to sweep. You saw what happened when Mookie Betts is on the field. Mookie Betts hits. He had a couple doubles in game one. What did he drive in? Drive in one, score one in game one? Um, I Let me see. I, I, I just clicked off the, the box score for that game. Yeah, in, in game one, he did drive in one, and he did score a run. And then last night, I believe he drove in a couple too, or game two. Yeah, he had a he had two more RBIs and he drove in two out of the three in the second game. So Betts was Betts was kind of the difference in that series. So I'm not yeah the MVP I'm not going to take series. that one back. I mean, just a superior team in the Dodgers, best team in baseball. We got to see if they can finish, though. We will see if they finish. And honestly, let's move on to them. Let's start with their series first off. It's going to be right. f- the most interesting DS series. I think it could be the most interesting divisional series that we've seen in a while. The Padres take off their Western uh, divisional foes in the Dodgers in, in a five-game series, and I think it, this is going to be the thing that you want to tune into. The Padres haven't announced any of their starters yet. That's probably because they're not sure entirely what's going on with uh, Dylan Lamette and Clevenger. I think Lamette should be able to go, good, be good to go, but I'm not sure on Clevenger. They said that he might have to miss the playoffs. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see, and that's definitely a key component of the series. Yeah, this one is going to be a ton of fun. These are two really fun, exciting teams. You got the Dodgers, who are the best team in baseball. And I think the Padres are the team that are the most fun to watch. So this will be a great series. I'm really worried about the Padres if they don't get Clevenger and Lamette because they, they could get past a, a Cardinal team without those two guys. But those are their two those are their two best pitchers. And when you're facing Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw games one and two, and then they got May and Gatterall, and they got all these guys in the – in the pen that they can mix and match. So I just, I don't, I think without those two guys, it's going to be rough. If they can get at least one back, I think it might be, it'll be a good series, but I, I see this as Dodgers and four as much as I love the, the young Padre team. Yeah. I think, um, you know, both these offenses are very talented, very high power offenses. And we all, and we know that I think this series is going to purely come down to pitching and that plain and simple. I think if the Dodgers can shut the Padres out, I don't think that the offense is going to waver. And I need – and those Padres – if the Padres don't have those pitchers, I think it's completely over. I don't think they – I don't think they can win more than one game. I don't, but uh, I agree. I think Dodger, Dodgers and four. Yeah, these two teams, they, they, they have similar teams, uh, at least all on the offensive side. They both match up. Uh, pretty evenly on the offensive side, but like you both had said, the Dodgers are the deepest pitching team in the entire MLB. And, I mean, they, they both played pretty well together uh, against each other in the regular season. Uh, I believe they were uh, – I'm just going to check what their 
their record had had was um yeah, their head-to-head record was six and four, so they matched up really well. But that is when you include that the that the Padres had both Lamit and Clevenger, at least Clevenger for the later uh, couple of games. So that's definitely going to make a difference. And the Dodgers, they played, they, they were six and four against the Padres in the regular season, and their pitching is just so deep that in a five-game series, back to back to back to back with no off days, that they definitely just take the cake here. And I'm with you, Manichino. Uh, when I say that the Padres lose the series in four, the Dodgers take it in four. Yeah, there's just no guy here for the Padres if Lamette and Clevenger don't pitch. I just don't see a guy that's going to go and stand stand up on the bump and go toe-to-toe with a with a Kershaw or Bueller. So I just, you know, if, if those two guys pitch, it's probably a different series. But in the case that we maybe only get Lamette, it's four games. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think that, with Lamette, it does force it to four games, but it doesn't go more than that, even if Lamette yeah, and Clev are still playing. Yeah, oh. so, so it'll be unfortunate. NL it's still going to be a high-powered, high-scoring uh, series between the two oh, NL West teams. Be fun. The NL Divisional Series, aside from the one between the two NL West teams, it's going to be the one between two NL East teams. The Marlins that I guess we all love and the Atlanta Braves, which we don't love nearly as much. Yeah, I think I'm going to go... I mean, all signs point to Atlanta, who has the better team. And, I mean, with, with Freed at the top and the way Anderson's pitching, those two, Matt, I mean, Freed is better than Sanchez or Alcantara because he's he got more experience. But the Braves are not very good in the postseason. They're excellent at winning the division. They really have that down. But once they get there, they kind of can't figure it out. And this is a Marlin team that has never gotten to the postseason and lost. So the quest the question is, do does history repeat itself or does or does this strange year of twenty twenty get crazier and do the Braves win a playoff series? What do you guys think? I um I completely agree with everything you said. Um I I really I don't know. I just I I think the Braves definitely have the better team, but the Marlins I feel like they're just hungry and I don't know if they have if they can get there quite yet. Um, just because they're so young, I just, um, but I think I'm gonna take the Braves, Braves in five purely because of their just high-powered offense. It's just incredible. If that offense can get going, there's no stopping them. So I, so I'm gonna say Braves in five. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lean towards the Braves too. Yes, it was a nice run for the Marlins through these seven playoff series, not to lose one, but you're going against the second highest powered offense in the entire national league. Um, I don't entirely know what their game log was. I'm going to check that real quick and see how they did in the regular season against them. Um, Yeah. So they were four and six against the Braves in the regular season. Not a huge advantage for the Braves by any means, but you're going with these – I'm going with the, the Braves either way because I, it's nice to see the Marlins try and have this postseason run, but the Marlins rely on pitching, but their pitching will only do so much against this offense that's the second best in the entire National League. And, um, yes, they do have better pitching than the Marlins, 
I mean, than the Braves, but their hidden isn't nearly nearly as good. And the hidden's what's gonna come out on top in this series. Yeah, you guys kind of said it all. I'd, I'd hate to pick against the captain and Donnie baseball, but I, I think I'm gonna have to do it just because this is a very young pitching staff. And this is a brave team that's now been here a couple times and really been embarrassed in the NLDS. So I, I don't I don't think that this is the the brave teams of yesteryear of of Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and Chipper Jones who could who would dominate you all regular season long and just roll Hall of Famers out at you and then get to the playoffs and roll over. I think that that Freddie Freeman and the boys are gonna are gonna come out swinging and try and prove that they can you know, get to the National League Championship Series. I see this one going. I see this as a four-gamer. I think maybe the Marlins are able to steal one, but the Braves are the superior team here. I got Braves in four. Uh, I, I would take the Braves in three, actually. I don't I don't really know if the Marlins go out and win one. Wow. Um, wow. They, defi- they definitely could, but... Don't, don't underestimate Donnie Baseball's ability to fire up the board. Fine. Do you want me to say? Do you want me to say four? Will that make you happy? No, I'd, I'd rather just be right by myself. So you can. Okay, there. fine. You'd be right by yourself <laughs> unless Jack takes four with you. I took five. I said brazen five. Ah. I think the Marlins, the first two games with those, with uh, their first two starting pitchers, I think they win. If they go out and they do their thing, I think they can maybe win. But uh, I think the Braves take it overall. Hmm. So you've got them having keeping the series the closest. Well, Manichino and I don't even think they have much of a shot to win outright. Well, I mean, no Marlin World Series champion has ever had much of a shot to win in my book. I think even when this team won World Series, you look up and down this lineup and you're like, this was not even close to the best team in baseball. So I, I think they're kind of they're, I, I see them winning. I'm giving them a game. Don't be surprised if they shock the world and win it all this year. I right? wouldn't be surprised. I just don't never, think they've they never will. Lo- never lost a postseason series. It might might continue. I'm saying we'll the Braves. See. We'll I see. Want, It'll be a cool story. I think the Braves will win, but I want the Marlins to win. Yeah. I just yeah. want to say yeah. that. I'm, I'm with Jack. I'm with Jack yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm with you guys there too. So let's move on to the AL. I think I already know who you guys are going to at least be rooting for in the Yankees first race series. I don't even need to ask. I'm going to be rooting for the Rays just because – I don't like Mets the Yankees. Fans. Yeah, I'm a Mets fan. Who wants to see Yankees. the Rays win? Who wants to see the Yankees win? No one wants to chase for 28 to happen aside from the Yankees, Yankees fans. fans. There, Justin, there's a lot of Yankee fans out there. Uh, but yeah, I think the I think the Rays also do. I, actually, wait, what did I I picked this series last episode? So you I'm picked just gonna, the I'm sure you picked the Rays. No, um, let's Every see. Mets fan yeah, I picked, picking the Rays. picked the Rays. Yeah, I picked the Rays in all, five. So I'm going to continue all, with that. I'm all the logic. Everything points towards picking the Rays. The Yankees got smoked by the Rays this regular season. They went two and eight against them. The Chi Man Choi owns Garrett Cole. I mean, there's so that gives them game one. If, if you're or not game... a lot, there's not a lot of bright spots in, in the in the times they played each other. The Rays just smoked the Yankees this year. There's no, I mean, if you're picking with your head, I think it would be very difficult to say the Yankees are going to win this series. But you know, playoffs don't always come down to. You know, just just the numbers. You know, there, there's a lot of heart involved. So I'm going to pick this one with my heart, and I'm going to say this: when the Yankees played the Rays all regular season, they were never at 100%. This team is clicking; they're firing on all cylinders. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's hot coming into this series after they just roughed up the best pitching staff in baseball. So I I like the Yanks. 
I'll say I'll say Yankees in five. Cole is hot. He's not the pitcher that he that he was when the Rays jumped him early in the season. I say Cole Cole wins games one and five, and the Yankees get one from either either Hap or they lose to Glass now in game two, and they get one from either Hap or Garcia in game three or four, and then Cole slams the door in game five. Yanks in three. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> If uh, if that offense can can uh, can play like they did against the Indians, uh, just again good at bats, making contact, putting the ball in play, big home runs, all that. If they can do that, I think they can win this series. But you're right; the logic does point to the Rays. They dominated the Yankees. Uh, pitching wise, I think the Yanks are overpowered. With uh, that's true. Game one, game one is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think. Uh, I think, yeah, I think between Cole and Snell, yeah, yeah, that one's the advantage in game one because they got so many righty power bats to go against Snell. But after yeah. that, advantage Rays all the way. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Yanks take game one. I think they lose game two. And what? Uh, probably game. I would again. I would probably say game five. If Cole's gonna go back on the mound, but so Yanks, Yanks in five. But I think yeah. the, the pitching is gonna be a big factor for both teams. Game Game three is the real swing game here because I the the Rays have already announced their first three pitchers. The Yankees have only announced Cole, I believe. So and mm-hmm. maybe Tanaka for game two. But no, the, yeah, Cole's the only one they yeah. announced. So they're 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 throwing Cole game one. It's Cole Snell is the only matchup we know right now. That's a game that the Yankees should win and probably and have to win to win this series. Game two, Glasnow's pitching. Glasnow was unbelievable last postseason. And the Yan- he didn't have a great year overall, but the Yankees couldn't touch him. I'm chalking that one up. Yankees are going to lose. Tanaka. Tanaka's been good in the postseason except for his last start. And his- then against the Rays, he was pretty good this year. But I-, I see the Yankees just unable to get anything going offensively in game two. So game-, game three is the big game for me here. I think winner of game three probably takes the series. And that's probably going to be Hap Morton. And Morton is a far superior pitcher to Jay Happ, but he has he's not the pitcher he was last year. So that is for me, keep your eye on game three for this series. That's the one that'll probably decide it. Because I think oh, if yeah. it gets if it gets to a game five with Cole throwing, I think the Yankees win. I don't think like I don't think Cole is gonna back down on a game five and go home. Well another thing about about this rotation is uh yes, the Indians rotation is better and the Yankees have lit them up, but the Indians rotation also didn't face the Yankees throughout the year. The Rays rotation has faced the Yankees this year. They they'll figure out ways. They have figured out ways to stop the power pass on the Yankees. So I think that's going to play a big factor into this. Um, I, I expect a lot less scoring uh, in this series than the Yankees are used to. And that's why I still do have the Rays in five. Uh, and it, they look dominant against whoever the, the Rays were thrown out most notably, or whoever the Blue Jays were thrown out most notably, Hyunjin Ryu. But uh, yeah, I that'll. Think, um, I think the uh, Yankees are going to have a tough time. Like you said, Mike, against Glass now, who blew him away. Couldn't even touch him. But for me, game one is going to be the game to watch. You have your two aces, opening, opening game of the series. I think it's going to really set the tone. Whoever wins this game is going to have a lot of momentum going into game two and three. So uh, for me, game one is a game to watch. 
Yeah, I think so. I think Cole, maybe I'm putting a little too much faith in Cole with the way he's pitched against the Rays this year, but this is, this really is a must win for the Yanks going out tomorrow night. You got to win with Cole on the mound because we know they don't hit glass now. And then if you're, if you're down 0-2 against a team you can't beat, you're in a really rough spot. So yeah. Well, is, got, is, is Kyle Higashioka catching for him? Yeah, Higgy's going to catch Cole again. So Interesting. Well, the Yankees have done that before, come down from, uh, from 0-2 in 2017 against the Indians. Granted, that's that's true, a, they did. that was a very different team with a lot of different players, but, you know. You know, that's I see there are some, sim- yeah, some similarities there with, you know, with the pitching staff. With the, I mean, that was a team that had that Indian team with Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco going. And this is kind of the same thing. They got the big, I mean, not that type of rotation but they got a three-headed monster so i i think that this is hold on one second guys sorry boys it's getting a little loud here I don't know if you guys are it's coming no through worries. on you. No, I don't hear it. Okay, good. It's I, I can hear it's downstairs. It's getting pretty loud at my house. I wanted to make sure you guys didn't didn't hear that. But yeah, I like I like the Rays in in games two and probably four. And I think the Yankees match up have the advantage in games one and five, and I'd say three is even. So I'll give my heart is telling me go Yanks in five. We'll, we'll see what happens. I certainly hope it doesn't go that, but you two definitely hope it does go that route. And that brings us to the final ALDS series that we got to cover. More. And it's the Astros. <sighs> Hate the Astros. Uh, and the Athletics. And the Athletics are going to be the America's team during this, during this series, especially because the Cowboys have proven themselves that they're not America's team. Uh, so if, if the Athletics could go out there and – Beat the Astros, no matter how many games it takes, no matter how badly or well they play, they, they're going to become America's most favorite team. Yeah, I, I would, that would be nice, but the, Ash, the Athletics under Billy Bean don't have a very good postseason history. No, I mean, they, they, finally won a, they finally won a playoff series, even if it was like a fake one. Yeah, and With, with him at the helm, it was his first, first playoff series win. But I just don't. I think that the experience of Houston is going to come in here, and they're going to they're going to win this series. I think it probably goes it goes four or five, probably five. But I think that the Astros are able to get all the way back to the American League Championship Series before they will they will fall to their knees and be vanquished by the New York Yankees in four. But I yeah. like I like them in this series, even though they're not the better team. I think playoff experience is going to come into play here and they're going to, they're going to do enough. They're going to get enough pitching from Granky and, and some supporting cast there to, to overcome the A's. The only interesting thing, like I completely agree with you on most of those points. You make great points there. And uh, the Astros probably did look better all around uh, last week against the, the White Sox. Uh, the only thing that I would use to argue against you right here is that the Astros were seven or were three and seven against yeah, the athletics they, they this got, year. I know so. they got beat up by the A's they this year. did get beat up, this, but... This is a team we have president of them playing, but it's October. 
And it is October. Love, Playoff baseball love him is so or hate important. Him. And I and I certainly hate them a lot. The Astros know how to win baseball games in October. I do. I, I, I yeah, they definitely do. And as much as I want to use that as a point to argue against them, that experience is probably going to win out and and the success because it's not even like both teams do have some October experience, but we've seen. And we've seen time and time again that the Astros know how to win in October and the Athletics don't know how to win. So it's not like it's not like you have a series like if the Astros are playing the White Sox, where the White Sox, no one on that team has had October experience, but except Grandal. But um, wait, what did I say? Oh, yeah, yeah. But everyone on the Astros has that experience. It, it's two teams that have similar experiences over the past couple of years uh, in terms of amount of postseason births and the Astros have just looked a lot better in those. And I think that that is, like you said, that's going to be what trumps all in this series. Yeah. This, this is a team that we're going between two teams that in the last three years, the A's have lost two wild card games and the Astros have won a world series, been twice and been to the, league championship series every year even though they cheated to get there i still think that they're they're good enough to get past the a's and where they where the dream for the yankees dream season will continue when they will sweep the astros and leave jose altuve crying with carlos correa in his arm <laughs> so i i i think this i think this one goes because the A's are a better team, so I think they'll be able to push it five. The A's usually go five in the division series before they get knocked out. So I'll go Astros in five. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think the lack of pitching from the Astros is going to get to them. Hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully. I can't, I can't stand to see the Astros when I really can. But um, I think the A's have enough offense to get it done as well. I think the that lineup, even without Chapman, that lineup is still very solid. It can still do a lot of damage. Um, and I think, you know, only having to face Granky, who's really only this one solid pitcher you can count on in the Astros lineup. Um, I think the A's are going to take this one. I think they win in four. A's in four, not even, not even five, four. Wow, that's going to be the one thing you can take. say especially is that the the A's have a much, much deeper rotation, which is going to be helpful. But I don't – I don't know. I think that the, the Astros take it. Or they're throwing they're throwing McCullers in game one, and that's the only starter that they've, they've announced. Look for some uh, – look for some sparks to fly too. These teams had a bench clearing Brawl in uh, early August. Deal with Loriano getting yeah. Going yeah. After there. Maybe you see some maybe you see one. some fire here and there. Maybe yeah. someone throwing out Loriano or something. It'll be interesting to see. It'll definitely be a chippy series. Yeah, this, and... this should be a this should be a good one. I mean, we know everybody hates the Astros, so they're and they don't. I mean, you can't expect from an Astro perspective, you can't expect them to just be thrown at and like take all this hate and not try and give any of it back. So we, maybe we maybe we see a little fire. You know, you you love to see that passion, especially in October. So this should – I think this will be a good series. I mean, it, the A's usually put up a good fight. They usually just don't win it. So this should be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, if, if there is one good thing that I will say would come out of the A Astros winning this series, 
uh, it, that means it makes him one step closer to the World Series, which, yes, it sounds bad, but the World Series is going to actually have fans. So, I plan on buying if they're tickets. closer to having fans, yeah, everyone plans on buying tickets. So, um, not that I want them to win any more series, but if they make it to the World Series, they're going to they're gonna hear it from the fans who have been trying although, to hold this although, Justin, they, I will, it's been, I may intervene. This World Series is going to be played in Texas. That's so, that's the one problem. Yeah, so there might be problem. some there might be some Astros fans, but I, hopefully, I think, hopefully non-Astros fans can hop onto the, the Yankees. If you want the revenge, I think I had the best idea, and this is the way it's going to go down. Yanks beat the Rays in five. They overcome they overcome the gauntlet that could they couldn't beat all year. They get it done, and then they get to they get their their third shot at the Astros this time with no cheating, and they sweep them in four games, and it's it's ugly. The Astros don't compete in really any game, and then Yanks over the Dodgers in six in the World Series. Hey, we'll see what happens. You heard it here first. Uh, hopefully. Double Say Sports Podcast, Yanks in six over the Dodgers. Place your bets now. Hopefully. Down. Hopefully, I, I would rather I would rather the Yankees over the Astros, but uh, that's the only team I would rather the Yankees over. But that just about wraps things up from us over here. Jack, thank you for joining the show for the first thank time. Thank you for having me, sir. Great having you, and same thing with Manichino. Thank you for coming on for the second oh, time for you. It's an honor to be here, especially with Jack on here, too. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a great time, boys. It was great having both of you on. Uh, hope to have you both on again in the future, and hopefully in a week's time, we'll be talking about the Astros being out of here, and that'll be our uh, league championship series. But that's about wraps this up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check this podcast out on Apple Music, Spotify, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends. Take care. This has been the Double Say Sports Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Double Say Sports to be notified every time the podcast goes live.